Multicultural research is a growing necessity for brands across the globe. Partnering with an agency that understands the nuance of this type of research is essential for accurate and useful insights. Horowitz Research is a full-service consumer market research agency that delivers insights that inspire change. With over 25 years of experience conducting multicultural research, they have the methodological expertise and experience to design and conduct representative research that is effective and efficient. Visit HorowitzResearch.com to learn more about how you can partner on your next multicultural research project. And welcome to Ponderings from the Perch, the Little Bird Marketing Company podcast. With me, as always, is an amazing guest, someone who's an expert in their field. And I know that if you've listened to this podcast, you are very much used to me interjecting and having a, a little bit of uh, um, poking the bear at some of my guests and having a lot of input, but you are not going to believe this guest I have today and how little I kind of have in common with this person, but it is going to be a romp. So without further ado, I have with me Errol Dobler. He's the creator of The Process, Art and Science of Leadership. So he works and has created uh, Leader 193, and his leadership consulting firm teaches this methodology uh, to business leaders all over the world. But get this, Errol developed this methodology through his experience as a U.S. Naval officer, and he served it as a surface warfare officer and Navy SEAL. So we have not had a Navy SEAL on this show yet. So <laughs> Errol Dobler, welcome to Ponderings from the Perch. Uh, Priscilla, I appreciate it. And it's really, really great to be here. I can't wait to, to jump in. Okay. Well, I'm going to tell you right now, you like bumped my cool level up with my kids because <laughs> since you're an FBI special agent and you were an FBI SWAT operator, Navy SEAL, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, my kids are actually going to think I'm like moving up just the, the ranks just a tiny bit. Mission accomplished. Let's, <laughs> end, let's end the show right now, right? If you're cooler now to your kids, then we win. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'll, I'll totally take it. So I know that when people have you on their shows or when you keynote or when you're working in audiences, you're very used to people asking about like superlatives. What's your greatest learning experience? What was the thing that made the most difference? It's always like that for people who really have a stunning career like you do. But tell me about what things emerge for you. What's, you know, what's some of those like big themes maybe? They don't have to be the best, the, the most insane or anything, but what are some of the big things that you like to talk about and really start conversations with? Well, the, it's, it's always very consistent. And that's, that's where my process lies in consistency. And, you know, I, I developed this leadership process, like you said, as my, during my time as a Navy SEAL, as an FBI special agent. And the reason that even matters is because if we don't do things right in those very high stress situations and dangerous situations from a leadership perspective, we suffer one of three consequences, mission failure, injury, or death. Okay. Now that sounds a little dramatic and that's not what happens in the marketing world, but there are consequences, right? There are consequences that equal death inside of marketing and things like that. If we don't do things correctly and where I start the entire process, no matter who I'm talking to is the, the, uh, the knowledge of emotional awareness and recognition. Mm -hmm. 
everything in leadership, in my mind, begins there, right? Because our emotions drive our actions. The science will tell us that, right? The brain does all sorts of things when emotions hit us to include just acting subconsciously, not even thinking about it. And then that becomes kind of who we are. And it's all based on some type of emotion, fear, insecurity, worthiness, or some good ones, right? Mm -hmm. We tend to focus and get stuck on the, on the bad ones. So to answer your question, that's really where I start all the conversations for anybody who's interested in, in, in discussing leadership with me. That's where it comes from. Mm -hmm. The other thing that I do is I'm very open and honest about all the mistakes I made. I, I get it. My resume is fun to read and all that. But if you really dig deep into the resume, you know, I'll show you most of the areas that I succeeded in spite of. Mm. And I do that because I want to let everybody know, you know great things. You can write great things down on paper, right? And it can all be true. But don't think that people who've done great things haven't had to slog it out. Right. I, I often say neat and tidy is not the goal. Mission accomplishment is the goal. And right. I am living proof of that. My my story is anything but neat and tidy. So if I had to say those are, you know, some areas that I really like to um, focus on early in conversations, it's those two things. Right. Right. Well, tell me a little bit about your book for those people who haven't had a chance to read it, because I'm going to ask some very specific questions. Uh, when I was reading, well, I'm kind of a messy reader. I highlight and underline some stuff. So <laughs> you have to bear with me a little bit, but um, I have a really specific question about the book. But before we jump into that, give people uh, a sense of what, what your book is actually about. What's the gist? Yeah. It is, it goes through the elements of, my, it's called the process, art, and science of leadership. I have five elements to a process. I believe that in each one of these elements, you will find and be able to solve any problem that you're facing, okay? And it's almost a way of thinking about leadership to approach any problem, okay? I don't tell anybody, say, look, great leaders do these three things. So therefore do these things. Mm -hmm. When I work with people, we work inside the elements of the process and the people I work with, they decide the things that they need to pull out and focus on from a leadership perspective. And that makes it really powerful, right? Mm -hmm. Because it, every, every answer is coming from them. So there is a process, right? Inside each one of those elements, right? We talked about emotional awareness and recognition. That's the first element, okay? That's a very broad topic, but let's all agree we have to focus on that. We have to be aware of it. Inside of that, there's an art. The things that you struggle with, Priscilla, and the things that haunt you from an emotional standpoint are going to be different than me. And the way I handle my demons are going to be different than the way you handle. That's the art inside of it. Okay. And the science is this, my process, and I found this out as I was writing the book, because I became very interested in how the brain works for behavioral change. My process literally follows the function that the brain goes through to rewire itself. So there is a science behind my method when we think about emotions and then think about how we act on them and then make decisions on how we want to behave. And then we plan for it. Those are all the things, right, that the brain needs to go through to rewire for behavioral change. So that's the, that's the book. I initially started it just to be a user's manual. I wasn't even going to put stories in it. I had to put some stories in it to highlight my points and my wife was like, 
Errol, you have to put stories. People right. want to hear some stories, right? So that, I, I've got so I, many crazy yeah. experiences. The book really, really warranted those stories. Let me tell you. <laughs> I, I've got, so I've got some stories, right? But I, I did want it to be more academic than anything else. So it, I, you know, for those who read it, I get feedback. It's very entertaining. It's hit the mark where I wanted to. There's entertainment. There's good stories. But there is, there is some meat on the bone, some things everybody says, wow, I really took this out of it. Mm -hmm. And I'm really going to employ that. And, and that's what I want. So that's, that's what it is. It's not my, um, it's not a memoir, right? I think that book is coming because again, I, people love stories and right. I've got enough. Yeah. So it's kind of the combination of the academic with some good, some good stories thrown in there for entertainment. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay. So when we look at the process, the art and the science of leadership, this is one interesting thing that I really took away from the book. And I think it is different than what you mentioned, like a how-to manual. And it is interesting. I didn't know that, that you kind of started out trying to make it some kind of a manual, but that's not where you ended up. So I no, think it's not. <laughs> a really interesting insight from this conversation. But what I took away from it, it being that multidisciplinary look at leadership, I really appreciated the fact that it wasn't didactic and here are the five things to do. And yes, there is a process. Everybody needs a process. I got that. And I think everybody in leadership or going through any kind of professional or personal development understands I have to structure this. I, I need some accountability and I also need some kind of a guide, you know, to take yep. me to the next place. But people really tend to obsess on that. And I felt like how you moved over into the art and then the science using, you know, just, uh, you know, some, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the brain science. And I love what you said, that rewiring. Yeah. I really appreciated that because, you know, too many people like to have these, you know, they drone on and about, okay, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that and do this. But without thinking, you know, about the, the first thing you mentioned, which is that personal reflection that's needed yep. for any kind of growth. And the other thing that I really want to talk about is where you talk in the book about how we become this person and lead at work and how we lead at home. This, yep. this business world sometimes tries to create us into business leaders and we neglect the idea of the human leader that we are. Yeah. So talk a little bit about how we bridge that gap, what you learned about, you know, that gap between leadership at work and leadership at home and how do the tactics that you talked about in the book, how do they translate to that topic? Yeah, it's look, there's so we could spend hours on that particular topic alone. The, you know, the process part of it, before I dive into that, you know, that transition in leadership, it, because it's an important thing you bring up, people really get bent on the word process. Oh, it's too strict. It's too confining. I'm more free flowing. And, and I'll tell you this, it's, that's just the, the, the opposite is true. When we have process, okay, a couple things we can look back and decide and see and determine where things went right and where things went wrong. If we have a way of doing things, okay? And then the end result is something we didn't like or it's something we liked, right? Now we've got, if it's something we liked, we say, well, this is a repeatable process. This is good, okay? If something didn't go right, we can go back and say, where in the process did I miss? 100% of the times you're gonna be able to say, oh, right here, we didn't, we forgot to do this thing, darn. That's probably where it went off the rails. That's why process is important. The other reason process is important is from a scientific standpoint, 
okay, when we are just doing things, we're just winging it. We're in a state of fight or flight. And when we're in a state of fight or flight, our creativity goes like this narrow. It's like you're, you're, you're looking through the toilet paper holder. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's a, that's a scientific fact. Okay. So when we're just winging things and free flowing and not really knowing where it's going, you're in a state of fight or flight. You are not imagining things, right? Classic example. You're getting chased by the bear. Okay. You are in fight or flight, fight, run or hide. I need to run as fast as I can. Where can I hide? Or do I need to turn around and fight? That's all you're thinking. What you're not doing is being creative. You're not running away from the bear going, I wonder how that Bernay sauce is going to turn out tonight. Maybe I should, <laughs> you know, it's just not happening. When you have process, you have a plan, right? Now you have a place to be creative from and your mind is wide open. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's why process, those are the reasons process is so important. Now, no, before yeah, you move on to that, I want to totally agree on that. And we have actually a saying here at Little Bird Marketing, which is um, that we don't want to put pressure on people. We put pressure on systems and it gives us so much freedom. And we are a creative shop. We yeah. have to have these processes. We have to have these checklists. We have to all that. Otherwise, our brain is so engaged trying to figure out what are we doing next? What thing do we That's need to right. take off that we don't have the time for that beautiful, beautiful creativity. So people are often shocked when they start working with us, how insanely organized and how much of a process we have because they're like, well, you guys just seem like such creative people. I'm like, yeah, we are because we actually have space to think about it. I could we have not, space to think. I could not agree more with that. So yeah, well, help that, us understand where it goes then from the leadership at, at work and understanding that process, like how you implement these things for work and how you implement those things for your personal life. Well, yeah. And let me just say, I will absolutely steal that put pressure on the process, not on the people. That is, I'm going to claim that to be my own. Okay. No, it's I'm just kidding, but I am going to steal it. No, <laughs> okay. Just, just send me a royalty check. Every I, will, I will indeed. <laughs> so let, let's talk about the transition, right? People, I love when people say, well, I'm a completely different person at work than I am at home, right? Or I'm a completely different person outside of work than I am at home. You know, and the typical example they bring is the fun they have at happy hour. And I said, look, if we're talking about the fact that you don't go to work and get drunk, like it's happy hour, and that's the difference, then we're not having the proper conversation. And that usually sets people, you know, like, okay, well, what are we talking about then? The fact of the matter is, in my opinion, we're not different people. We are the same people. We bring the same attitudes. We bring the same habits everywhere we go. In my mind, and why I like to focus on, right, the, the subtitle is, um, how to inspire confidence, clarity, and clarity in combat, in the boardroom, and at the kitchen table, because it's all the same. What I find is that when people go home, right, or in their personal lives, their most important places of leadership, they forget all of the basic aspects of leadership. They think it's their safe space, okay, right? Well, that's what they say. Well, it's my safe space when I go home. And I think, well, what does that mean? Well, that means if I've had a bad day that I could sit there and, and I could tell people I had a bad day and they understand, they'll, they'll, they'll give me some grace. And my answer is always, wow, that sounds like your safe space. It doesn't sound like anybody else's safe space though. <laughs> oh, well, what do you mean? Right. And my question is, have you looked about the, the trail of destruction you've left behind mm -hmm. you because you're just thinking that everybody should absorb your stuff, right? Where's your emotional awareness and recognition there. Okay. It's you, you don't have it. You've lost it. Okay. 
And so people don't transition from place to place, right? When we say emotional awareness, we say be in the moment, be present, all those things. I'm talking about from entering one room to another room, not in your life, not even in the big picture, right? When I leave this room to go to that room and I work from home now, I'm leaving my office mm -hmm. and I'm going downstairs to my home life. I have to have now a new framework of awareness. What is it? How do I feel? Am I stressed out for my day of work? Am I going to bring that work stress to my family stress? I might if I don't think about it, okay? Then that becomes my culture. Now remind myself, how do I wanna behave? I wanna be the dad and husband that doesn't bring the nonsense from work to the kitchen, literally. And so I might have to say something like, I have had a terrible day. And if you can give me 20 minutes, I'll take it, okay? Mm -hmm just to try to work it out. But sometimes there, you don't have 20 minutes. Sometimes my wife is down there and she's scrambling and I have to look at that and be aware and say, I can't take my 20 minutes now. Find who I need to be right this second, right now. Mm -hmm. That's leadership, mm -hmm. okay? And that's the most important part of leadership. And I think that's where people miss. Mm -hmm. They say, wow, I'm so successful at work, but I have all these problems at home. I'm like, well, because you're not bringing the principles of leadership to home. Mm. And as simple as that. So that's kind of where I am mm -hmm. on that. I think we're the same people, but people just forget the most important place is, is at home. And that's oh, where I, the leadership principles really need to be. I totally love that. And I think it's about integrity. That's really where you're going with this. It's like, how do I get congruency in my life? Because it, it, it you're not someone different. You've changed your geography, right? right. Um, but we really have to um, hone in on what my intention is. How am I wanting to show up? What is the impact right. that I want to have right now? And I'll give you another little freebie. Um, one of my <laughs> um, one of my managers here, uh, Emma, she's such a such a wonderful leader. And one of her ways to remember this is she triggers her brain every time she sees a doorway, a door jam. Like that's her trigger to say, like I'm that. walking into a new yeah. room and I want to know how do I want to show up right now? And it's her trigger to rethink you know, the impact that she wants to have. And I, I love that anchor. And sometimes I remember it and sometimes I don't, but I just, I think it's just a genius moment that she had of sharing that uh, with us. And I also, um, had a conversation with a friend of mine a couple of months ago about this idea of being careful with people. And I do think that's a theme that comes out in your leadership ideas. This idea that, it, you know, our leadership and our position is not ours to squander, but you talk about basically being careful with people. And I just want to say for all of those people who are out there who are entrepreneurs and who have, you know, what they feel is just something very hectic in front of them. And I can't speak for other people, but I'm, I'm just going to be vulnerable and honest with that. I'm the sole breadwinner of my family. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I'm the CEO. So I have everybody asking me for everything. I go home. Everybody's asking me for everything as a mom. I have a life in which it is easy for me to justify than being able to come and dump my garbage at home. Right. right? That's right. It, you can justify it all you want. But I love what you said about that is that that may be a good experience or a good safe space for you, but that is not creating a safe space for the people who really are in your charge. And yeah. this, is that the real impact that I want to have with really actually the most important people in my life? They I, are I, the most important people. Oh, I, I, I'm telling you, it goes far beyond some business leadership book 
and moves into, you know, the real, real of, of who we want to show up as a person. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so these, um, Emma, that is an amazing, right. That's an amazing trigger, but what she's done is, and this is the beauty of, this is why I like my process so much because what I can say is, Oh, here's what Emma does. Emma looks at a door and says, how do I want to show up as I go through that door? What is she doing? She's practicing emotional awareness and recognition and cultural awareness and recognition. The first two areas, here's how I'm feeling right now. And here's how I might behave if I didn't think about it, because how you behave is your culture. And then she moves immediately to the third phase, behavioral guidelines. How do I want to behave? What is the behavior that I need to put forward next? Because it's always going to be different behavior. Okay. We have overarching behaviors that we as a person and as a people and as a team want to always exemplify. But that's what I'm saying. The process can go from this room to that room. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and I, so again, uh, that's how I think the process will fit in. And again, yeah, I, you know, all joking aside, I'll cite Emma to people when I talk that I'm like, I was on a podcast, right? I was on with Priscilla. And she told me that this person looks at the door and then makes a decision. What's she doing? She's being aware of how she is right now and aware of how she wants to behave later and not just acting mm -hmm. because yeah. no matter what she does, that is her culture. And she's okay? not putting pressure on herself as a person. She's putting pressure on a system. She created a system that That's gave right. her the freedom to think creatively, which is really back to your point. <laughs> That's right. You get to, when you have a process, my process is every time I look at the door, I think about these things. Mm -hmm. And then I get to explore what they all mean. Mm -hmm. I get to show up as whoever I want, specifically based on the situation. And it's going to change every time, right? It's yeah. just going to change every time because what's happening to me right now is going to be what's different than what's happening to me later. And I'm going to have to have a different, I'm going to have to have different decisions mm -hmm inside the same process. Right. I love it. Well, all my audience can hear at this point that I think highly of this book. You have to go read it. It's the process, art, and science of leadership. So we'll put it in the show notes. But, you know, you alluded at the very beginning, Errol, that you set out to write a little bit of a different book. And part of what we do here on Ponderings from the Perch is getting amazing people on who have had amazing success and do what you, you just said, either you're going to be a little bit vulnerable or you're going to like maybe pull the curtain back a little bit and show people, look, I, I had maybe a windy road. Maybe it wasn't exactly, you know, how a, a straight trajectory towards success. So a lot of people who listen to this podcast either have written a book or have that book, you know, in their brain or, or feel yeah. like that someday that's going to happen. So can you pull the curtain back a little bit for my audience? And talk a little bit about that experience of how you set out to write something. So what surprised you? What, what happened along that way that really, really got you into this looking a little deeper into the, the brain science and, and, and changing a little bit of the trajectory of the book? Boy, um, again, so much there. First thing that I learned in writing a book is I will never criticize another book. <laughs> I, I'm allowed to say I don't like it. It didn't resonate, whatever it is. But I'll never say things like, what a waste of time. What a piece of garbage. Who, you know, blah, blah, whatever. Never, ever, ever again. And that's a good place to be, right? So <laughs> what I gained was some perspective uh, for writing in general. Now, I blog a lot. I, I blog, I, you know, 
I blog all the time. I'm a pretty consistent blogger for since I started Leader 193. Um, and that's important, right? So that 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 gave me some tools when I was struggling with the book mm-hmm. to say, just start writing, right? So there was already a muscle memory. But what you know, what I understood was my business got better after I wrote the book, mm. not because I had a book that was for sale and people got to see me more. It's because I had to formulate my ideas way more clearly. Mm-hmm. I thought I knew what everything meant. I thought I knew how to describe it until I sat there and said, oh my God, I've really just been talking to myself the whole time. And so no one going to marketing, right? right. So the clarity that it bought me to my marketing, my ability to market went through the roof. Now we've still got a long way to go on our marketing. My wife and I do it ourselves. It is, I'll never make fun of marketing again either. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just not that I really made fun of it. I never gave it any consideration at all. Yeah. Um, uh, So, but that was the, that was the big thing until you start writing, Mm -hmm. you don't, you're going to be surprised at how, how little, how poorly formulated your ideas are. I totally agree with that. Like when I teach, every time I'm going to teach or I do a keynote on a subject, my understanding of that subject matter gets so much better. And I do so much consulting and and training around digital transformation. And I am not kidding. This is like not saying this, you know, as a kind of sense of modesty. Every time I teach those modules, I'm like, oh, now that's really true. I like, I learned something new or somebody yep. will say it in a different way. It just doesn't mean anything to you until it finally means something to you. And that process itself of teaching another is a very deep learning experience. I, I completely agree with that. Yeah. And, and so, you know, again, right. The clarity in my message just improved mm-hmm. by a factor of 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that, that's the first thing, right? So that's the first thing I learned that I, I wasn't even clear on what my message was when I was expressing it because it would just become jumbled, right? If, if I can't, I was never big on the elevator pitch, right? Be able to tell your thing in 30 seconds because then my me response is, well, if all you have is 30 seconds for me, then you're not interested. <laughs> There's some truth to that. But in my mind now, I look at the elevator pitch differently. If I have to ramble on about what it is I do, I don't know what I do. Um, so again, the book in the process or the, the writing process for the book really helped that, um, things changed, right? New ideas come to light. Mm -hmm. I had never considered the scientific portion of what was happening until Mm -hmm. I wrote it out. Now it just so happened that I'm a student of that thing, but if I didn't write that stuff out now, I don't know, I, I don't get as much comment on the scientific portion of it, um, and that's not good or bad. But w- in my mind, I said to myself, you know what, this is no longer just so much my opinion, right? There is some science behind this. I didn't know it at the time, but there is. If I hadn't written, mm-hmm. I never would have gotten that. I never would have added that mm-hmm. whole new part to, to what my process is in an offering. So again, more things just happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those are the couple of things that I really took away from writing the book. First was humility. Okay. (laughs) I will not criticize anything anybody writes again. Um, Second thing, clarity in what you believe. Third thing, 
until you start writing, you're not going to find new places to go, new mm -hmm. ideas, new things to focus on. Those mm -hmm. are the big three that I took away. Hmm. I love that. I love it. You also talk a little bit um, about teams and how teams work with this process of yours, because you mm -hmm. talk a lot about having a, a common language for leadership so that you really are having um or maybe building a, a much stronger, maybe web of communication amongst your group. Tell us a little bit about that. How does that work for teams? Yeah, so it's very important. And, you know, I try not to be cliche in anything I say or do. Um, and um, so when you hear common leadership language, look, it's a nice tagline. It makes sense. But what does it mean? All right. I, I made sure before I said those things, I know exactly what it means and its importance. And here's what I mean by it. My elements to the leadership process, emotional awareness and recognition, because emotions drive our actions, cultural awareness and recognition, because those very actions that are driven by our emotions make up our culture for better or for worse. Those are the things we do. That's our culture. Behavioral guidelines. Now that we've been aware of what we do based on how we feel, let's start making some decisions about how mm -hmm. we behave. Okay. And then the planning process. Okay. In the end, leaders drive results. Okay. And there needs to be a methodical process towards planning and executing in which I provide. And then the end is the resistance, which we can talk about, but inside of those elements, I just discussed, if everybody is, if a team is working with me on those things. Okay. And let's just say randomly one day in a meeting, somebody and they don't even have to be done with the course yet and and, and priscilla you just start losing your mind right you, you maybe you're a little sarcastic you're just not having your day you know and i say hey priscilla you know be careful of those emotions you know you know because you know what they can do if you had never been through my process mm -hmm. your response might be you worry about your emotions and i'll worry you know, it'll be very defensive mm-hmm because there's not a commonality, there's not a common language. Mm -hmm. But if me and you are going through the leader 193 process, and I say that to you with some good soft skills, right? Soft <laughs> skills are important. Mm -hmm. um, but in that, in that specific area, you'll go, yeah, that's right. Emotional mm -hmm. awareness. And that's, I got, yeah, thanks. For, you will be more inclined to say, thank you for reminding me. Right. When we establish behaviors as a team, based on what we've observed, right? That's, that's the thing. My, my God, here's what we've observed. Here's our culture. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pick a couple of behaviors. And one of them is nobody interrupts, right? For example, okay? Uh, and I think that was probably my head because you're like, I have a habit of talking over people, right? <laughs> right? I do, I do. So maybe that was just in my head. <laughs> but but as, a, as a team and as a way you do business, that can, be, that can be a problem, right? So I'm not saying it's a problem for you, but you know what I'm saying? And it's just an example. So if we all as a team, based on what we've observed about ourselves, say, look, here's one of the things we're going to focus mm -hmm. on. Nobody interrupts anybody else. We let them talk, Okay. And then it happens. I interrupt you and you say, Hey, Harold, you know how we decided we're going to do business around here, right? I'm going to have to say, you're right. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt. Mm -hmm. We're speaking the same language. We can say things like, Hey, you know, that's not how we decided. That's mm -hmm. not how we're doing business now. We're doing it this way. I don't even have to bring up that what it is specifically. I just mm -hmm. have to acknowledge the behavior mm -hmm. because we're all speaking that language. Yeah. Right. Somebody says, Hey, what's your plan? Mm -hmm. 
Well, we all know intuitively, wow, it's this, it's this very distinct process that Errol put forward. And those are the elements that we have to cover. So that's what they mean by the plan, mm-hmm. right? It's not just some word we throw out. So that's what I mean by common leadership language. Mm-hmm. If we can all be speaking the same language, and I think my language is an excellent language because it's you all create it yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that goes huge. I mean, Priscilla, you know, how often are there arguments because people are, aren't even arguing over the same thing? Absolutely. They're just arguing over, like, welcome to our world right now of <laughs> politics. Nobody is even talking about the same thing, right? Right. So right. That's, that's what I mean by a leadership language. And that's how, that's how I apply it and help mm-hmm. teams apply it to themselves. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, I do have a lot of very high performing professionals who listen to this podcast. So let's end on this because I would be so remiss if I had, uh, you know, a Navy SEAL and FBI agent not tell us a little bit of um, some insight about how we could deal today with the, the level of stress the level of responsibility we feel on us right now. And as you know, it's only gotten deeper, stronger, more difficult going through a global pandemic. I mean, between the pandemic, the polar vortex, the political scene, everybody homeschooling, I mean, it's just, you know, it just doesn't seem to stop. So, you know, if you could provide just a little bit of your perspective, having been under very, very stressful situations, what are some things that you think can maybe alleviate that stress or if not alleviate it, at least help us frame that stress and the sense of responsibility we're, we're carrying around every day. Yeah. So I, I think, you know, in, in a nutshell, right. If I, if there was, if people just listen to hear forward of the podcast, I would say this. And it's what I said in the beginning, emotional awareness. We have to be hyper aware of how we're feeling and then how we want to act on that emotion. We have to have that awareness because only then can we start making decisions. Okay. So if, if any, if we take anything away from this, right, how am I acting during stress? Well, the first way to start acting during stress appropriately is to understand how you're feeling and then saying, and if I how do I want to act on this emotion? And usually it's probably screaming at somebody or talking at somebody. And then we've got to say, is that really my best self? Am I really truly bringing the best I have to this situation? That's, it just, there's no other place to start. I can tell you to, there's a million things I can tell you to do, but all of it will come back to, you can't do any of those five things unless you are aware of that emotion and how you will tend to act on it. That's the first thing. The second thing is I'm, I'm what's called the Wim Hof method instructor. And that, that is it's a form of breathing and cold exposure that for one thing, physiologically has been scientifically proven to strengthen your immune system. So you want to talk about how do we get strong immune systems in this day of Corona and everybody losing their mind, go ahead and and take a look at that. But I would also say just in general, the breath, the -hmm. breath. So it almost goes with the emotions. Mm -hmm. Okay. The breath has been shown to cure almost every ill we have, right? The people's breathing improperly, not getting enough oxygen to their, to their brain, to their body and to their cells. When we breathe and when we can breathe, when we're looking at emotions, true breathing, nasal breathing, 
it's just going to help. So what to answer your question, two things, emotional awareness and recognition, and then deciding before we act. And let's learn a little bit more about the breath and the power of the breath. Cause I promise you the breath is the key to mental and physical health. It absolutely is. So if I could leave with that, that's mm-hmm. what I would leave people with. Mm, I love that. I love that. So you have to read this book, the process art and science of leadership by Earl Dobler. And let me just say, um, I know that you do a lot of keynotes around and people can catch uh, what you do, um, but you need to go to leader193.com. Um, but Errol, for you, what's the best way for people to reach out to you? What, where are, are you a big LinkedIn user? Are you, you know, what's your, your preference? Yeah, look, so I, I'm pretty, at, we're pretty active on LinkedIn and Instagram, right? As, mm-hmm. as well, you need to be. Um, so always, you, you know, so again, we're active on it and we, we answer every question that comes in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, like you said, leader one, nine, three, you know, we've got a contact me page. So people contact me on all three of those all the time. So I'm at leader one, nine, three, uh, for, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram, and then leader one, nine, three.com pick your poison. Well, we'll I'm going to make, <laughs> I'm going to make one last plug for your book because as all, you know, um, hats off to all authors everywhere. You could buy his book directly on his page. And I know from other authors, that's important because that's directly their sale. But I have (laughs) to tell you something really cool though. You can actually click there to order an autograph copy. And I think that's that's really, that's really kind of a nice uh, touch. I really like it a lot. And I think when so many people really, you know, look up to you and all the experiences you had there, there's so much there, but you, you, you bring that to such an approachability and say, look, you know, high pressure situations are what everybody's going through. Everybody defines that high pressure situation differently than everyone else. These things are universally true. And I, I really appreciate the fact that you aren't trying to, you know, um, make it more lofty. You're trying to bring it down yep. and say, look, this is, this is something you can control. You can control yourself and you can control yep. how you show up in every situation, Errol. I really love that about the book. Well, thank you, Priscilla. And I appreciate the, the, the plugs. Uh, we, you know, the, the audio book has been out now for a few months and people love the audio book. So uh, thank you. And thank you for, for really understanding the book. I've <laughs> got to be honest, I've been on a lot of these uh, to talk about the book. And every now and then, somebody chooses not even to pick up the book once right. and it makes these conversations <laughs> very difficult for me. <laughs> well, I you made you know, it really easy. <laughs> I do have a book in me and I want to do it. And I'm telling you, if you're going to spend that kind of time, you deserve the respect of, of actually reading the book. So I appreciate <laughs> it. Well, go check him out at leader193.com. Thank you so much, Errol, for being on. And for all of you here in my audience today, thanks for spending a little time with us. Have a great day. Breathe and... Happy marketing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.